Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. everybody welcome to the pbsc podcast uh mark castleman and steve moore here coming at you for episode 185 of pbsc uh it's great to be with all of you today we're really excited for today's topic it actually comes from a listener uh of ours and uh a, a partner of an addict and uh it's kind of a unique situation one that uh we've you know we deal with lots of different situations here on the podcast obviously but uh this one this one kind of has a unique twist to it that brings up some topics that are, are good to cover because we know that this listener is not the only one uh, working on this. So I'll just, uh, for because it is a little bit of a complex situation, I'm going to read through this pretty quick. It shouldn't take more than a minute, and then we'll we'll kind of jump right into the, uh, the issues at play here. Uh, and I'll skip the first part. Uh, my name is Blank, and I'm tuning into your podcast from all the way in Blank. I'll, I'm the betrayed partner of a sex addict, and we are around two months into our journey of recovery at this point. In the very early, uh, we're in the very early days. So far, I have to say my partner, blank, seems to be doing all the right things. Let's just call him Bob. Bob seems to be doing all the right things, and listening to the podcast has somewhat reinforced that for me. I am struggling though to come up with ter- with terms with come to terms with the fact that Bob's preferred quote unquote porn is what she says was sexting and hooking up with past partners. He would have had ten or more women that he would sex fantasize over and orgasm to at any one time. There have also been physical infidelities with some of these women, uh, too. However, the majority have been sexual pictures and videos sent via text. We had our disclosure day three days ago, and the totality of what had been going on behind my back floored me. I had been told parts, but not everything. I thought I was prepared, but I was not. I could see that Bob felt bad for hurting me, but I'm struggling with his lack of empathy towards uh, what he's done and the effect this has had on me. He's even said He's even said to himself that his or he's even said himself, rather, that his, quote, empathy button, unquote, doesn't seem to exist in the sexual space. He says he loves me, and I can see him doing the work in these early days, but I know we have a long way to go. Can you please shed some light on why he has no empathy, and how how we can work on fixing that empathy button? 
I am really struggling to understand how he is able to switch it off and not think of me and how it will hurt me when he's acting out. Mm. Great, great vulnerable submission. Yeah. Applaud the bravery in reaching out. Well, and there's a ton in there. There is. There's a lot we don't know, but based on what she expressed, the first thing that we, first thing we don't see is we don't have any indication whether or not there is a therapist or a professional involved. And that's the first thing, uh, Steve, that you and I looked at and we went, ooh, disclosure was three days ago. Was that do-it-yourself disclosure or was there actually a professional guiding the process? Mm-hmm. One of the very first things with, we would invite this couple is, please, please don't go about this disclosure process just on your own. If there's any possible way to get a therapist or professional to help you with this, even if you did it on your own, please find a professional now so that you yes. don't go any farther down the track. Well, and definitely for the disclosure, but also, and we're going to get into this, and Mark's going to talk more about this, but this is a really complex situation. And there's a lot to this and a lot of potential parts, moving parts to it that really a, a therapist is going to be the one that's going to be equipped to really help you guys navigate through yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of questions here. Um, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll just run through those. You know, one of the first things that we thought of as we looked at this is that our, our answer to her question, how do I, how do we restore or get his empathy button where it needs to be? And the first thing we need to look at is, you know, when, first of all, when did this addiction begin? How mm-hmm. long has he been in addiction? Has this been going on since he was a kid, a teenager, you know, how many years, decades have have gone have gone on with this behavior. The length of that is very important because it it reveals a lot of different aspects of these issues. How long? What do the addiction patterns look like? Right? What is what is, what are his what is his addiction cycle? Various aspects of it. So that that whole thing about the addiction itself is a very important thing to explore. And the other part of this, whenever I hear, so I can so relate to this. He seems to have no emote, like his emotional button doesn't work. And as Mm. soon as I hear that, I immediately think of myself. And so the question is, where did this malfunctioning or completely missing emotional button, when did that start? Yeah. What was, what was his child, what were his childhood origins like? Um, you know, you said, Steve, uh, one of the first things she can ask that we would ask her is, does he have the capacity to truly empathize in other areas of your relationship or his life? Or is it or is the lack of empathy just restricted to these sexual behaviors? Mm-hmm. Very important question, because that reveals a lot. Because um, I'll tell you about me. I mean, if he if he if he doesn't really connect well or have empathy as a general aspect of his life, what that really starts to hint toward is that these have some, this has some early origins. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, because of the trauma and abuse I suffered as a kid, I, I shut off my empathy button because I, I learned that the adults around me, they weren't capable of hearing and receiving my feelings or doing anything about them. Mm. In fact, if I did dare to express anything, I was shut down or even punished. So I learned to completely shut off the empathy button and to go inside myself fully. 
and I, I was a really isolated, you know, inside myself kid and teenager where I just didn't feel anything for anybody. I was just, I was too busy taking care of me. So I, I had to learn empathy, literally learn it and practice it and develop the skills of it as an adult, because it didn't come naturally to me at all. Yeah. So is this, is that the case with this guy? I don't know. Yeah. And it's, and it really is a critical question because we, you know, Mark and I, we work with guys who come from all different backgrounds and origins and, and like Mark is so graciously, she graciously sharing with his story, you know, there, we, all of us come from a wide range of upbringing and, and experiences and the depth to which uh, those experiences, you know, ingrained this idea of emotional distancing, this la- lack of empathy, you know, is it just in one area selectively or in others? Those are all critical to a treatment regimen because essentially, if you were to break it down simply, the question becomes, are we, is it, is it helping Bob here? Are we going to be working on helping Bob to uncover and get back in touch with, you know, that vulnerable side that he once was taught and once once was really in tune with, but then lost, right? Or gave up as a result of compartmentalizing and minimizing and all the thinking errors that we addicts, you know, engage in over time. Or were these basic tenets of things like commitment, right? Fidelity, uh, basic ideas of how relationships work and what that looks like. Were those never even modeled or taught in the first place? Mm-hmm. Because one track is going to be involved uncovering that. The other one is going to be, we're going to need to back way up away from even the addiction recovery piece and, and be getting Bob some help that involves just being able to connect with and relate with other people. And that's what that was, that's what it was like for me. It was like, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, restoring or uncovering what Mark once knew my, the, the, the mentors and professionals I worked with, they had to help me build from scratch. Mm, Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, and so that's, that's really important. And again, we're, we don't mean to belabor the point, but that really is only, you're only going to be able to do that in an intelligent, but non-biased manner with a qualified therapist, preferably like a CSAT or somebody with specialized training who can get in there and A, help determine that, but then B, depending on what that is, what other interventions be, be hot, besides just traditional therapy might be necessary. Right. For example, if you guys try to go down this healing journey, but he does not have a, an inborn capacity to empathize in general, this process is going to be a nightmarish one where you're both dragging each other through hell, trying to, trying to you know build a skill set from the ground up on the fly, and it will be awful and miserable. Well, and what um, happens with that? A lot of times we'll see people um, jump immediately, for example, to couples therapy to solve this issue. Yes, maybe they'll go one layer deeper, and they'll 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 realize they need he needs to work on his addiction, and she needs to work on betrayal trauma healing before they ever come together as a couple. But there's a le- there's a layer deeper than that. If if for what for what could be many reasons he doesn't even possess the skills, the tools, the background, the the natural mindset for empathy or fidelity or connecting to other human beings, etc. You're going to become very frustrated in the couples or the addiction recovery work because what's going to happen? How come he's not getting it? Why does yes. he just seem to not even register, right? He must not care about me, must not love me. And he'll be saying, why can't I do this? I must be the biggest loser who ever lived, right? You just hear mm-hmm. the frustration and the resentment and all that comes up because 
you're focusing on symptoms where there are deep core issues that have got to be identified and addressed. Yeah. Otherwise we derail the whole thing. Absolutely. So yes, there's, there's a lot of, of uh, a lot of components to that side. If we were to talk about, so that's kind of a, a beginning standpoint. If we were to kind of jump into now the solution for this, you know, where to go from here? Cause we know that that's what this uh, partner's asking. And we hope that that part partner and hopefully even the addict ideally are able to tune into this. Um, uh, for her, let's, we'll kind of break this down of an approach for her and for him. So if we were to start with uh, where to go with for for her, for this listener, first of all, as as always, uh, we Mark and I, as we were reading through this, we just really connected with, I mean, what a hard situation. Uh, you know, partners all, already find themselves so emotionally isolated and disconnected in lots of ways. We addicts are very, very skilled at more than we even realize, frankly, at, you know, isolating our partners emotionally and crazy making and pulling them into drama and all sorts of different things. And when you're, when you're with somebody who is to use her vernacular, right, doesn't have this empathy button around these really hurtful, difficult, very damaging things that, that her addict partners has, has, has uh, engaged in. Um, I mean, that is a tremendous amount uh, to be carrying on her own. So we just empathize, empathize with you. And even though you know this, we're we're just going to reinforce it for you. Hopefully you've heard this before, but his stuff is not yours to own. That's one of the most common challenges that we often face in this process is I have a sexual partner. I care about this person. They're frequently engaging in sexual, you know, sexual behaviors outside of me and lying to me about it, deceiving me. Well, logically, what's the conclusion for many spouses, tragically, or partners? Well, it must be me. Right. He's not getting what he quote unquote needs or wants here. So it must be me. And what we would just lovingly reinforce is that this his stuff is not yours to own. When we talk about addiction and what he's pulling from those sexual experiences, he is taking, like any guy that we work with, things from his sexual, the sexual realm of his life that it was never meant to provide. And and it wouldn't matter if it was you or anybody else, that would be a huge issue and and problem all on its own. Um, but definitely we would, we would say for, for, from a beginning standpoint with everything that this listeners described where this is going to need to start for her is definitely just establishing some sort of a baseline of safety, right? Some sort of a baseline of, you know, how do we, how, how do I create a space where I can facilitate and work on my own healing, where I can find empathy from others and connection support, especially with my partner not being willing or able to provide that right now. And that is going to come through a couple of things. Uh, one of them is going to be, you're going to need to, if you haven't already either set them or maybe need to revisit them, really take a look at uh, your boundaries, right? In this relationship, given this disclosure, for example, with this new information, how, you know, having this happen just fairly recently, are there things given the new information that you need to change dynamic wise? That's very common following a disclosure, right? We learn a lot of new information that we did not know before. And that oftentimes may change how boundaries in the relationship look and their attached consequences. And so that's going to be, again, a therapist can be really helpful with this, but you being able to look inward and just ask yourself some really honest and difficult questions about what I am I needing is going to be important. Do I need space from him emotionally or physically? Do I need connection from him emotionally or physically? And what is he capable of providing there? And are my boundaries creating a safe environment where I can heal 
or am I am I not taking su- sufficient steps to create that? Am I am I allowing myself to get sucked into into his stuff and his side of things? Yeah, we I mean in in our Dare to Connect program, we've been talking about this now the entire month of June and here half of July right mm-hmm. about <laughs> the whole concept of codependency, yes. toxic independence. Uh this month we're in what we call the drama triangle. And as you and I were looking at this situation with her, you know, one of the things that we would reach out, you know, from our hearts to is, is say, please, please be as mindful as you can about, for example, falling into or staying in what we call the rescuer role in the drama yeah. triangle, right? And it sounds like she's a very nurturing, caring, loving, you know, kind and and gentle person. So I thought, holy smoke, why are the world that she how did she hang in on this relationship with everything she describes? Yes. But she obviously is an, is an amazing person with her patience and her love. But what happens with that is we can easily, easily fall into this dysfunctional rescuer role, right? In that drama triangle where it becomes enormously unhealthy for her and unhealthy for him. Yes. Right? And, and very much keeps them stuck in this old dynamic. Being caught in that rescue rule will drain every fiber of emotional energy that you desperately need to conserve for your own healing. Mm-hmm. And it will just get sucked down to the black hole of enablement on his end. Yep. Right. Yep, exactly. Um, it will leave nothing left for you. And that that and even though holding boundaries like that on the surface, I, I we know that spouses for a lot of people that can be hard because on the surface they say to themselves, Well, that's not loving. Well, conserving that energy and saving it for yourself, especially with the dynamic of it's never recognizing that you can't save him from himself or fix his problems is the most loving thing that you can do because not having that boundary in place, what what we what partners oftentimes do from a place of love in that situation, ironically, is the very thing that will set the relationship for true failure. Yeah. You'll find yourself getting so emotionally drained and exhausted. We've had partners where they wake up one day and they don't even know why they just know they need to get out. I'm, I'm out. I can't, I can't do this one more day. I'm gone. Um, I have to do something different. So anyway, there's, there's that whole. And and with boundaries, it's very important for her to understand there are boundaries, both for herself. Yes. What do I need from this relationship in order to be safe, in order to be healthy, in order to be healing. And the other side that's often, well, I think some partners don't know if they have the right to have boundaries include this, but what do I need from him in his own recovery and healing? What benchmarks do I need to see from him that he's being proactive, that he's leading out and getting the help that he needs? Part of her boundaries are not only for her healing and safety, but also what she needs to see that he's pursuing and doing. So those are, those are two sides of boundaries that we would really encourage her to start getting in tune with. And that's where the help of professionals is so valuable. Boundaries can be tough. How, how do I set them? What are they? And especially, uh, what, if, what if he violates the boundaries? What, are con- what do consequences look like? Mm. How firm do I be in those consequences, right? It's, a, it, it's, a, that's a, it's, a, it's an essential but very challenging part of this process is boundaries. For sure. For sure. Well, as we wrap up, we'll shift over to, to his side of, of the street here too, because that's important to talk about um, on the solution side. So we, we can also connect with, and as Mark said at the beginning, he, he especially connects with where, where this partner or this uh, addict, addict partner finds himself. Um, 
And that place of not being able to empathize or struggling with those skill sets probably is very much in many ways equally confusing for him and, and its own unique struggle. Definitely. Um, but there is definitely, uh, there are some things that can be done to at least set the stage for a healing journey for, for the both of you to be as efficient as possible. And where that would begin is a couple of things. Uh, making sure uh, that even though you may not be able to feel these things, you're, you being vulnerable, addict partner, in this process, being willing and open uh, to other elements that are at play here, including your wife's feelings, even if it's just on an intellectual level, is absolutely critical, right? If you do, it doesn't require empathy to be able to factually an, factually analyze a, a a process and be able to say, you know, I I committed to a relationship to be exclusive in, and I have and I have not done that, right? I have not been faithful to that. I have not remained committed to that. I have broken those promises. I have broken those commitments, right? Those are not emotional observations. Those are factual ones. And being able to at least connect with the with the factual piece and be able to validate where your partner is coming from in terms of the injustice and part of you know the difficulties that she's experiencing, I would submit lovingly whether this empathy broken where however broken the but the button may be, so to speak, using that vernacular, you you still have the ability to be able to intellectually honor, recognize, and hold space for the fact that this is another basic human being who signed up for a relationship with me under one set of terms and I violated those terms. Right? I broke those terms. I I that that and and that means something. There's something significant to that even if I can't maybe connect with the emotions as to why. Um, and I love what you're saying, Steve, because what you just described is the doorway, is the empathy doorway. Yes. Dude, if all I can do is just own the facts of what's happened, and start to quote intellectually look at what the what the consequences and fallout of that is. What would that be like for another for a reasonable human being if if all of these things were violated and and this betrayal took place? What would yes. be normal and natural to feel? Yeah, I, I can start there. You if know, somebody I, took something from me or stole something. Yeah, right. How would I feel? That's probably how a partner, your partner, in many ways, is feeling. Yeah. Right. And that's a great way to get started in this empathy process. You know, I would ask this guy, where are you at honestly? I mean, if you were to do a just a gut check, honest assessment, where is your level of willingness in this process? Mm -hmm. How open are you? Um, are you at a place where you're 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 ready to say, you know what? What I've done in the past really hasn't worked out very well. It's hurt my partner. It's hurt me. Am I starting to sense that I have a level of powerlessness over all of this by myself? Right. This is a 12 step concept. By myself, I'm never going to beat this by myself. I'm going to continue to, to not show empathy. I'm going to continue to hurt those that I care about. And so am I open and willing and ready to start to do the work, to yeah. start to open myself to getting help, support? being proactive and leading out in this process, right? Where is he at in all that? Absolutely. Got right. to start there. And in and, and, and connecting with that element, call it the injustice piece, right? If nothing else, if you can't connect with the emotions, at least connect with that injustice piece, right? Restoring, mm -hmm. restoring something that's broken, fixing something that's broken. Um, that would be a, a place to begin. Mark said something before the, uh, before the, uh, before the, 
before we began today. Uh, don't eat the whole elephant. Start small. Be consistent. Yeah. And I don't know if he's referencing it, but that 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 comes from that Shel Silverstein uh, one parable where you know you see, person sits down to eat the whole elephant little bit by bit, and and that's absolutely true, right? It's there. There is a, you know this partner in her submission. She said that we have a long journey ahead of us, and that 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 may be one of the truest parts of the statement. This is going to be a long journey. Um, shifting here, is, and that doesn't mean that you won't experience really positive gains quickly if you get the right help. But it is going to, but it is going to be difficult. But especially when you are establishing trust, and we hope that every part, every addict that's listening here who is trying to establish trust again is listening. There are there is nothing that will com- compensate for the process of establishing trust if there is a lack of consistency. Mark and I see this over and over and over again in our offices every single day. It, it, and it's and it is hard for a guy to grasp, but we have to break out of that cycle that we've talked about before on here of reactive recovery, going going cojones to the wall, so to speak, in our recovery when things are bad, but then backing off when things are good. That that all that does is just reinforce that emotional up and down instability in the relationship. Where real recovery ha- happens is not through these huge bursts of energy and then you know doubling over and panting and trying to catch your breath. It's it's learning how to run the marathon and be consistent over and over and over again. And when you stumble, you immediately meet the stumbling with transparency, right? You own it. You're open about it. And then we recommit and we go again. But these but these skill sets, and I know we're emphasizing this for a third time, we would say that for for Bob, Bob, we we definitely need to get you in some sort of professional help and ideally some sort of a support group. Um, and the same thing holds true for the partner. And even though that professional help piece needs to happen, this would be an excellent scenario. For, you you guys would be excellent candidates for something like our Dare to Connect program because yeah. it creates that inborn uh, support network where you can get feedback in real time from us, feed, feedback in real time. But most importantly, though, from others who are also in the exact same spot you are, ranging from empathy to connection to ideas for, for change, et cetera. I think in our couples session today, it, it's a Friday. In our couple session today, I, if we were to put it on paper, Mark, I don't, I, I don't even know how many pages in twelve point font of feedback was in the chat Tons. list for an hour. I mean, it was yeah, just just a comical. It was so hard to follow for us as leading it; we couldn't even catch it all. Yeah, and the the community over at Dare to Connect is is something that is it's just one of the many things that makes the program invaluable because it provides something that is so hard for so many to find, which is a group of people who just get it. Or yeah. you can come three times a week and just be you. So uh, anyway, uh, we'll give you uh, info about how to f- find out more about that at the end here. Well, but, and I think just just one, because we're we're running up on our time, just one final thing that really jumped out at me big in, uh, that, that this partner sent in to us, that this guy had commented, I guess I just don't have any empathy button when it comes to the sexual realm. Mm-hmm. I would, I would lovingly caution him, be very, very careful about just writing yourself off as this just is what it is, right? You, you need to start asking, why do I behave this way? Mm-hmm. What's behind yeah. this? What, where did this come from? Am I willing and open and vulnerable enough to now to start to look at it and to not just accept it as the way you are? Right. Nah, I'm, uh, this is, it's been this way for a long time. It's not going to change. I don't know what to do. Right. Be open. There is a way out of this. There's a way through this. 
And if somebody like me who had zero empathy growing up can learn to have empathy and to connect and to care and, and to learn what human intimacy looks like, anybody can. But you've, but you've got to open yourself to be willing to start to do the work and to yep. be consistent, as Steve said, right? I'm a workhorse. Not a, yeah, we've had disclosure day and it was all great. And, but am I going to be a flashy racehorse that runs around the track real quick twice and then dies? Or am, I the, or am I the plodding workhorse that is in this for the long haul? Yep. Right. Absolutely. You can develop this empathy. You can learn to connect. You can learn to be tender and kind and to, to really delve into the feelings of others. It is a skill set that you can gain. I promise you. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to end. I, I couldn't add anything to that other than just a hearty amen. Well, we appreciate all you guys, as always, uh, for tuning in. Uh, appreciate our audience here. Um, as always, uh, if you want to send in submissions that you would like to have briefly addressed on the podcast here, uh, you can uh, find information and a contact form about that at pbscpodcast.com. And if you are interested in taking recovery to the next level, if you like what you find here on the podcast, if you like the crazy dynamic between Mark and I, my <laughs> wild wild emphasis emphatic personality that's a good way a tactful way of putting it and mark's wisdom um we would love to have you join us and dare to connect 25 hours a month of content uh that that takes your recovery to the next level your healing journey to the next level uh empower your journey in a way that you haven't before you can find more information about how to do that at dare to connect now.com and uh other than that i we wish you all a great week and uh safe healing journey and we will catch up with you next time yeah see you next time at pbse everything expressed on the pbse podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only this podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof it is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional if you're experiencing thoughts of suicide self-harm or a desire to harm others please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.